Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest by way of New Jersey. She is now a Floridian. She's a graduate from Flagler College up in St. Augustine. She spent 13 years kicking ass and taking names as a medical sales rep before she turned herself into an Airbnb queen. She is now a co-owner of Sugar and Spice Developments. She is my new friend, Stacy Conti. Stacy, thank you and welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I told you that was going to be obnoxious, didn't I? <laughs> yes, every episode kicks off with that type of energy. It's very powerful. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know what's really powerful and full of energy? The room that we are in here at my alma mater, University of Central Florida. By the way, ESPN, just call us UCF. <laughs> we are at the College of Business in the exchange. Can I get... A bunch of noise from the students in the audience. Come on. This is so freaking cool. Shout out to Justin. Shout out to Sarah. Shout out to everyone else who helped make this happen. You are one of two podcasts that we are going to be recording here today at UCF. This is our first time ever doing it. I hope it's not our last time. This is so cool. I, I wish I was in a seat like this when I was in college, because I would have been so much further ahead so much quicker. Right? Let's talk about that real quick, because you just hit a nail on the head. Before we get into short-term rentals, which I promise the audience we will talk about, we're going to have Stacy tell her story. Stacy's going to give us some tips, some tricks, some best practices, maybe even tell us about a couple landmines to look out for. But for our college audience, for our, our younger professionals, you just said something that I think is crucial to anyone's success. You wish you had this. You've been successful, not just in real estate, but you were successful in a prior career. When you look at success, what are one or two things that you think are paramount in order to allow someone to achieve the highest level of success? I believe that you need to take action. And that's something that people are always hesitant to do. I get people that come up to me all the time, I, I want to do Airbnb, but I want to do Airbnb, but, and there's always a, but, and the, but is never, it's, it's a, a logical thing to think, but it's never something that should stop you or, or stop anyone. So it's getting over your own inner, you know, self doubt that can get you ahead. You just need to start, take action, believe in yourself, you don't need to wait for everything to align. It's really about taking action. I love that. So I have a saying. Now, by the way, if you notice, I said children 18 plus. And if you went to Spotify or Apple, you would see we have one of those little evil E's next to what we, uh, what we produce. And I don't shy away from it, but I um, train for triathlons. And when I'm training for triathlons, and this also correlates to what you just said, I call that thing my bitch brain. And sometimes you have to tell your bitch brain to shut up, mm -hmm. right? Believe in yourself and go out and get it. Um, something else that you, I think we're going to say, or at least I picked up, you're going to say, you need mentors. You can't do it alone, right? You said, oh, I wish I had something like this mm -hmm. when I was in college. I wish I had something like this when I was in college. And maybe this is why I'm so passionate about coming back to the school to give back is trying to give others what they didn't have. 
But yeah, for anyone who's looking to do anything in life, so this is to the college students in the audience, as well as to anyone who's tuned in because they want to learn how to Airbnb or short-term rental, know that you can't go at it alone. You need a mentor, you need a coach, you need somebody who is in that dugout with you that can share in your success, but also share in your pain and maybe help you shorten your learning curve. Exactly, exactly. Very cool. So before we get into the nuts and bolts, I have a little bit of housekeeping. So bear with me, y'all. Um, and this is for our hardcore fans, our T-loppers. I need to let y'all know where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, uh, upcoming events. So I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., literally Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. So today is April the 12th. Is that right that we're recording this? Yep, yeah. It's April 12th. Uh, so Monday would be April the, help me out, audience. 17th, thank you. Yeah, like literally, I was like, hey, I can't get to my phone right now and I can't do math that quick. So yeah, so April 17th, 18th and 19th, I'll be in Washington, D.C. It's the Mortgage Bankers Association National Advocacy Conference. So shout out to NAC. I'll be up there with about 200 of my friends from the Mortgage Bankers uh, Association and we are marching on Capitol Hill. Like legitimately, we're going to break up. I'm going to go meet with Rick Scott's office. I'm going to meet with Marco Rubio's office and we're going to advocate on behalf of the industry. Awesome. Um, April 20th and April 22nd, there's an awesome event happening in Chicago, Illinois. It's our friends over at Growth Only Coaching, Justin and Amir. Their, their uh, seminar or their conference is called GrowthCon. GrowthCon is for realtors. It's for loan originators. They're going to have people there like um, Ryan Serhant. Help oh, me out. Who's, yes, who's yes. the big dog in real yeah. estate? What's yeah, it? Ryan, sell it like Serhant. Right? Serhant, yeah. yes. Yep, so Ryan Serhant's going to be speaking. Barry Habib's going to be speaking. Renee Rodriguez, it's a star-studded lineup. Wow. They still have tickets available. I still have 10% off coupons. I don't think we do coupons anymore. I think they're actually called, like, codes. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyhow, I'm dating myself. Uh, but, anyhow, all of, all of this information right now, the GrowthCon event or the next event I'm going to talk about is on our website tloponline.com, T-L-O-P-online.com. If that confuses you, then just type out theloanofficerpodcast.com. It'll get you there, but you can find out more about this GrowthCon event happening April 20th through 22nd in Chicago. I'm hosting an event down in Palm Beach Gardens on April 25th. It's a half-day event specifically for mortgage loan originators. It is called Learn, Earn, and Grow. Um, it's a free event, but the problem with free events is they fill up quickly. So you need to hop on the website, you need to RSVP, and then obviously show up. Because if you don't show up to a free event that had limited space, then you're a dick and nobody likes dicks. Um, and then finally, finally, just know May 8th is going to be a really kick-ass webinar. Our friend Steve Richmond's hosting a webinar. Uh, more details to follow, but keep checking back to the website, tloponline.com, so that you can register for Steve's free webinar. All right. Now that I got the housekeeping out of the way, let me ask you, when did you first venture into real estate investing? Oh, good question. So when I was married, we would um, rent out properties to interns that worked for the business. So we were landlords to our employees. Okay. So it was kind of dipping your toe in the water. Um, I didn't start really truly investing, like underwriting and looking at if a, if a deal made sense um, until 2018 when I got divorced and kind of had to restructure everything in my life and 
determine the life I wanted to create. Yeah, so Stacy 1.0 was married and was working in medical sales. Mm -hmm. And you and your husband at the time owned a business as well. And I'm mm -hmm. assuming he ran that business while you kicked butt and took names in medical sales. Yeah. And that business allowed you to own real estate and then you rented some of that real estate out to your to your employees? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you you and your husband owned your home that you lived in with your three kids and then you had homes that you owned at which point you you had your employees rent those from you. Essentially. Essentially, yeah. yes. That's very like 1930s railroad in a way, <laughs> um, but it's like the modern version, super cool. And then obviously you had a big life event, which is called divorce. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, I'm a single mom with three kids, um, no longer married, no longer have two incomes coming in. What does this look like for me? And what you saw wasn't your forever. Right. I, I, I wanted more freedom. I wanted more time with our kids hands-on where I can teach them things like this that I didn't learn. You know, I'm, I'm very hands-on with, with my kids with real estate. They come to projects and it's really awesome to teach them things I wish I knew growing up. Um, but yeah, I just took a step back and said, okay, where do I want to be and how do I get there? And real estate was the vehicle that I saw that could take me there. Very cool. What was your first property that you bought on your own? Because I've been on your website, right? And if you want to go look at a really cool website and actually see Stacy's story, um, I don't even know the website's name. I just Google Stacy Conti. Conti. That's, that's, that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, look at that. S-T-A-C-E-Y-C-O-N-T-E dot -E com. Mm -hmm. Right. And like all the cute names you have for all of your bungalows and the developments that you're working on. Like it's very impressive. Thank you. But I'm curious, what was your first property? So my first property that I bought for short-term rental was what I call the Ice Pop Inn. It was a duplex, two-story duplex in Fort Myers Beach, half a block from the water. Um, it crushed it. 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 What What year was that that you bought it? Um, 2020. Okay, so, so, so you bought it in 2020, yep. which was a good year for real estate, but it wasn't like you're like, oh, it crushed it, and I bought it in 2016. Well, yes. If you bought anything between 2011 and 2016, you crushed it just based on what the national appreciation has done, let alone what rents have done since that time frame. But you, you bought it when the market was hot. So I bought it in a really interesting period because it was, it was under contract twice before. And this was in right when COVID hit. So it fell out of contract because of di different issues with COVID. Buyers couldn't close. It was a very uncomfortable time. In the market, I had lost another deal because the lender just canceled everything in the pipeline. Um, that would have been an awesome deal. But it kind of led me down a different path that you, it brought me to where I am today. So that property, um, it, it was very unknown at the time. Like, everything was shut down. So I was buying a short-term rental when short-term rentals really weren't even... A thing. Up, yeah. Yes, that's right because the moratoriums and you couldn't travel, or if you did travel, you'd have all the sanitation. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, were you in Orlando at the time? Like that was where you were living yeah. and working. Yeah. How did you pick Fort Myers? So by the way, for those that aren't from central Florida or even Florida in general, Orlando to Fort Myers is a three and a half hour drive. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this was in Stacy's backyard. Um, right. So I'm curious, how did you pick that? I, I, I like beach markets. Okay. I'm a fan of beach markets just in general. I think they're a great place to invest. 
And I went down there actually to look at other properties and didn't decide to move forward with those, but then just, you know, went to go to other properties that were on the market and found that this one was a great opportunity. It wasn't marketed well. Um, there was a lot of room for negotiation because I had fell out of contract and it, um, it just, it just worked out at the time. Were you buying these homes through the MLS? Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. um, for those that don't know, MLS means it was on the market. Mm -hmm. It was listed with a realtor, meaning you could probably do a Zillow search or a Redfin search and you could find this property. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like camera phone pictures though. Like it, the listing didn't do the property any justice. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother episode yeah, right that's there. A whole other Just talking about the difference <laughs> between a good realtor and a bad realtor right. and how a bad realtor could cost you tens of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars just by not taking the right pictures or seeing the right photographer out there. Or could save you if you're a buyer. Or, or yeah, <laughs> oh, or could save you. So, so you had a real estate agent because you are a licensed realtor. I'm not. To, you're not even no. today. Yeah, no. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think that's so cool. So you're not a licensed realtor, mm -hmm. never have been. Um, that's pretty cool. So you're using a realtor mm -hmm. to find this property. You find it. And how did you, you use the word underwrite, right? Underwrite means does it make sense, right? That's what underwriting means to us in the real estate investment world. In the mortgage world, underwrite means do you qualify or not, right? Right. I mean, I guess I am trying to figure out does this make business sense? Mm -hmm. But to me, those terms can be used loosely, but they mean two separate things depending on what industry you're in. That's true. Um, so did you underwrite it? Did, you, did your realtor help you underwrite it? Because you were still fairly green, a little bit right. wet behind the ears when you're doing this, right? Yeah. So I had three Airbnbs that I converted from long-term rental to short-term rental. So this wasn't my first, oh, <clears throat> it wasn't my okay. first property I was running, but it was the first property I was buying with the intention to be a short-term rental. So you and now your ex-husband owned these other properties. So you had been airbnb those properties or you had converted them into a, a long-term rental, which is like a six to 12 month lease into short-term rental, which is typically either daily, weekly or monthly, correct? Right, so when I, when I acquired those in the divorce, I had to refinance them, okay. them in my name. Interest rate shifted, and I was net negative on cash flow with the long-term rentals. But I I knew the location of the properties. They were new construction, great little uh, tourist destination, and I didn't want to sell them. So I got creative, and I actually started doing corporate rentals first. That was great. I still do it, but corporate rentals, you don't have a back-to-back -back booking. You have a gap. So I started filling those gaps with Airbnb. And this was before Airbnb was like a household name. So I didn't, I didn't have any training. I didn't have any mentor. I didn't have any podcast or YouTube to listen to. I literally just put it on there and figured everything out the hard way. Mm -hmm. um, so my first review, I got like a three star. I was like, oh, that's not bad. That's over <laughs> half. And if you know anything about Airbnb, that's like a death sentence, a three star yeah. review. Um, but I just, I just figured it out as I went along. Um, and it was, it, I, I just fell in love with the process. Like I, I have long-term rentals. They're great for cash flow. I have property management, but short-term rentals, I manage them. I interact with the guests. I answer messages and it's, it's fun. It's rewarding. I, I like buying properties that I could take my kids to and create that experience for other families. I can so see that by going to your website. Like you decorate and you paint based on 
would I live here? Yeah. Like in the lending world, because in my, in my other world where I'm not podcasting, I do help run a fairly large mortgage company. Mm -hmm. And when I'm teaching and coaching mortgage loan originators in the early stages, one thing I teach them is, look, just ask yourself, would I lend this person my money? Mm -hmm. Right. But you're asking yourself, would I want to stay here? Mm -hmm. And if I would, what am I willing to pay? Mm -hmm. So you found Fort Myers because you knew there was a property down there you wanted to look at. You're already down there. That property fell through. You ended up finding this property. You ran the numbers. You underwrote it. Mm -hmm. You're like, wait a minute. I can buy it for X. It's going to need this much lipstick and paint um, or total rehab. And then it should rent for Y. And then as long as Y covers X, you're like, I'm in. Right. Let's do this. Yeah. And it hit one of your criteria, which is you want to be in, in a beach area. Mm -hmm. Which when I go on your website, yes, I see Indian Rocks Beach. Uh, I see Fort Myers. I see Daytona. Definitely all beach towns. Yeah. So uh, that's, that is true to its word. What resources are you using today to help underwrite? So there's a lot. Um, there's Air DNA. There's Data Rabu. There's um, a really cool startup, Rolio, V-R-O-L-I-O. One of my friends owns that company. Oh, and spell that again then. If it's one of your friends, yeah. let's give them like a, like a super big shout out. V-R-O-L-I-O. Okay. Yeah, and they, they clean their data and it, it's a really cool tool. Um, but I use all of those platforms, you know, compare those, see if they're all aligned. And then I go in and look as if I'm the person traveling and look at what the options are. So there's some beach markets have a lot of mom and pop run properties. They have um, like what I call like grandma's house kind of furniture and they're not very professionally done. They're people that have a second home and now that Airbnb is so sexy, they're like, oh, let's just put it up on Airbnb, camera phone pictures. And um, so those are great places to differentiate yourself, yeah. you know, we're in Orlando and everyone asks me, do you have anything here? And I, I don't love this market because the competition is so intense. I mean, you have to do a mural on every wall and customize and theme your entire home. I mean, a hundred grand plus of customizations and furnishings where you can go into a market where there's less competition on the aesthetic side and really differentiate yourself. I am um, very pro Volusia County, Florida. Yeah. Very, very bullish on that. Yeah, I almost see like a resurgence, right? Because Daytona today for us locals, we call it Dirtona. Like straight up, we call it Dirtona. But everything has a life cycle. Everything in, in life has a season. Mm -hmm. And although Daytona's season may have been more winter-esque, for the past two decades, I think spring's around the corner for that market. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah. I, I see, I, I saw it shift a lot. I When I was renovating, I basically lived there at the property. And even from the time when I purchased to the time the project was done, I saw a big shift. And I, I'm hoping that shift continues. There's so much potential. It's such a beautiful beach. There's so many cool things about that market. Oh, and lots of history in that market. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So first step, find a realtor who knows what the heck they're doing. Mm -hmm. Second step is, well, actually, first step, figure out what market you want to be in and why. Figure yep. out the market you be in. Then you find the realtor in that market who can then go out there and spearhead your search for you. And your, your realtor on an investment should, should not be your realtor on residential. Ooh. Those things don't translate. Um, very different skill sets. Okay. And then what are you doing to finance? Are you 
coming up with cash? Are you using other people's money? Are you using private money, hard money? Uh, give like walk us through briefly what your financing strategy looks like when you buy these properties. So I I am a fan of leverage. Yeah. Um, I I don't buy cash unless there's a very very unique reason to. I'm a big believer in leverage, and I use if I find the property and the property is strong, I will not stop until I find the okay. loan product for it. Yeah. So you're so resourceful. Kind of, yes. Yes. Yeah. You have to be. Well, here's <laughs> something I've found in life and in business. The people who are knocking out of the park, whether they're selling life insurance for Northwestern Mutual, whether they're selling custom clothes with Tom James, whether they're over at Morgan Stanley as a financial advisor, they're at Jones Lang LaSalle as a commercial realtor, right? Whether they're Stacey Conti kicking ass with Airbnbs or they're really successful as a mortgage loan originator, they all have this quality and it's called the hold my beer quality, right? You have that. You just said it right? You're not going to stop until you find a way to finance it, mm -hmm. right? So the answer is all of the above. Yeah. Sometimes I go to a traditional lender and I see if I qualify. If the traditional lender says, hey, you don't qualify for this reason or your property is not eligible, then you'll go to what's called a hard money lender. Mm -hmm. And a hard money lender is going to underwrite it a little bit differently. They may even let you finance it in your LLC. They may use like a debt coverage ratio mm -hmm. versus a debt to income ratio, um, and in, even if that doesn't work, you may look for bridge financing by literally hitting up your best friend's uncle's cousin who happens to be really rich with a bunch of money sitting on the sideline. And you're like, hey, you want to help me out on this? I'll pay you 10 or 12% interest on your money. Mm -hmm. Right? All yeah. of that. Yeah. All of that. Okay, you can't cool. get caught up in the interest rate. You have to look at the return. Um, so whether you're paying... 10, 12% or 3%, are you making money on that deal? Are you cash flowing? And if the answer is yes, don't let that kind of psych you out. Do you have a certain cap rate you shoot for? Not necessarily. Um, obviously, the higher, the better. But a lot of the deals I do are not very straightforward. Okay. So they're, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things I look at. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're purchasing real estate, you're purchasing with, with the idea that this thing is going to appreciate on average by 3% per year, on average. And by the way, if y'all want to go like pull this up, pull this data, there's a guy in my industry called Barry Habib. His company is MBS Highway, and they do a ton of data. They, and, and Barry's um, a thought leader in terms of prognosticating what is happening in the U.S. economy, specifically how it uh, translates to real estate and mortgage. And I want to say that in the past 80 years, 80, 80, there's only been seven years out of 80 when real estate values went down. And three of those were 07, 08, 09. <laughs> Think about that. Three of those, the only time that housing ever caused a recession, 07, 08, 09, were also three of the seven years that housing didn't appreciate. Now, there's been a couple of years where it was flat. So I think like his slide in his presentations, like real estate is, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like it's 77 in three, right? 70 wins, uh, seven losses, and three ties uh, over the past 80 years. So you're buying it knowing, hey, worst case is going to appreciate um, by 3% per year. Second worst case is I'm going to have someone else or else's, because it's short-term rental, mm -hmm. uh, paying down your note, assuming your note's principal and interest. Not all notes are. Some are interest only. Um, and then, yes, if I play my cards right, it's also going to cash flow, meaning at the end of the day, after I paid my interest, after I paid my taxes, after I paid my insurance, after I paid upkeep, after I paid management fees and cleaning fees and marketing fees, 
Stacy still made at least X per door. Mm-hmm. And X may only be 300 bucks a month. But if it's 300 bucks a month times 20, 30, 40 doors, that starts adding up. Mm-hmm. And I think I read on your website, your real estate portfolio right now is valued at over $10 million, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, high five. That's Aww. freaking awesome, right? <laughs> freaking awesome. You walk away from a career where you were number one in your company, one of the top in your industry, and you fast forward just a few years later, you're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, my real estate portfolio is worth over eight figures, $10 million, and it's cash flowing. Very cool. Someone, but someone wants to get started. Yeah. Where do they start? Like, do they start by coming to work for you? Do they start by becoming your intern? Do they start by hiring someone like you to coach? Or do they literally just start by picking their market, picking a realtor and looking for properties? And then when they find the properties, utilize some of those resources to help them underwrite it. Like, how would you, knowing everything that you know, how would you get started today? So house hacking. If I knew about house hacking back when I was in college, I would be so much further ahead. So house hacking is when you go out and you buy a a multifamily property, like a duplex, triplex, quadplex, you get, you know, the best loan terms on it because it's your primary. And then you rent the other units out. So you live for free, you get your expenses covered, but then you're also making money on those other doors. And you could do that, I guess, every 366 days. Every year. Yeah, yeah every year. Um, so you can you can accumulate these properties with like the best loan term options and have these properties appreciate. You get the tax benefits. You start building your portfolio. You cover your living expenses. That's the best way to start. Shameless plug. I've done an episode on house hacking. Yeah. I do not know the episode number. That is why you have to go to YouTube because YouTube has the best search feature. Okay. And literally <laughs> just go to our, our channel on YouTube and, and type in house hacking because it may have been episode 140 or could have been 200. I have no idea. But yes, I love house hacking. I have a guy I grew up with in my neighborhood. Like, and I grew up in a very blue collar, lower middle, uh, lower middle class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy's name is Brian. Brian worked at Public starting at 16 years of age. He worked at Publix until he was probably 27 and finally graduating from college. The one thing Brian did though is he bought a single family home, three bedroom, two bath, when he was like 21 years old and he had roommates until he was 27. His roommates literally paid off his mortgage. Yeah. yeah. Like a three bedroom, two bath. Not like you're talking house hacking like level 4.0. Yeah, right. I guess, like, yeah. like, like you went all in. Like, yes, find a quadruplex, find a triplex, or even a duplex. But it could also be done with a single family True. home. Yeah. As long as you're cool having roommates, I guess your way you don't need roommates. Right. Right. They're no different than you live in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Right. You. Well, that's just the person who who rents the apartment next to me. Mm-hmm. But except for renting from the apartment complex or renting from you. Yeah. Because you're the owner of that building. Okay. So house hacking, you would say that's where you would look to get into. Yeah. Let's say someone's a little older in life. Older, you know, they're already established, right? So they have the five bedroom, three bath, three car garage in the gated community. They have the two and a half kids. Uh, They're saving for retirement, saving for college education for their children. And they want to get into short-term rentals. They want to have their own Airbnbs, but they can't really house hack. Mm -hmm. How would that person get started in your world? So finding a mentor I think finding someone that you can work alongside to help shortcut. 
Um, I get asked all the time, how do you get started if you don't have any money? Um, find someone who has money but not time and be the, be, you know, create that team where you bring the boot, you know, the, the boots on the ground and the day to day and they bring the capital to finance the deal. So that's a great way to do it too. Um, or find someone like myself that you can shadow. Go, I learn the best when I'm hands-on, when I'm seeing things. You know, I can't learn fully from just a book or reading something. So I like to go and bring people to, to projects and see hands-on. And you know, that's, that's what I'm doing right now, learning the construction side of things. Um, because I don't have any background in construction, but a lot of what I do, I need to at least have the fun, the fundamental knowledge to be able to manage these projects. So I've just kind of went, you know, all in living at the, the, the motel rehab and just seeing day to day everything that goes on, the different stages, the different inspections, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. You, you learn it all when you're there. I love the partnership aspect, mm -hmm. right? Um, the guy who built my website um, is someone I've known for probably 20 years. And I respect him because he's an entrepreneur. Uh, so website development's one of like five companies he owns. Mm -hmm. So when he's building a website, you know, I'm an opportunist by nature. So I'm like, hey, Dennis, why don't you come be on the podcast? You have so much information to share just based on like being a successful entrepreneur, someone who owns five small businesses. And uh, he's on the show and um, shout out to Dennis Miller. And I do know he listens, so he'll probably he'll probably Aww. actually catch this. But he's on the show, and he's like, so my friends call me by my initials, so D-O. He's like, hey, D-O, do you know my favorite P word? I'm like, oh, God, Dennis. I'm like, Dennis, I know I said 18 plus, but we, we have limits, you know? He's like, no, my favorite P word is partnership, Aww. right? Partnership. And, yeah, you're like, hey, if you're looking to get started, especially if you don't have the capital, and if you don't have the capital, go try to find a lender to see if you can borrow it. But if you can't borrow it for whatever reason, right? Because your employment's not steady or stable, or your income's not provable, or your credit sucks, who knows? It doesn't mean it should be a no, it just means not this way, mm -hmm. and maybe you find a partner. Did you find a partner in your 12-unit motel? Like, or was that all you? That, that, one was, that one was all me. All um, you. But my, my business partner is, on my other projects, is my agent. And she found that deal for me. And this is this is a really funny story because uh, Volusia County, hot topic. I owned in Holly Hill, this 12-unit long-term rental Section 8, very challenging property to manage. Did your partner find that for you too? No, but she was managing it. Okay. And it was like she wanted to pull her hair out. Yes. So she calls me and she's like, you're not going to believe I'm saying this, but I found the best property for you, and it's in Daytona Beach. <laughs> I was like, well, it must be good if if yeah. you like it and it's over there because she was ready to, like, pull her hair out with, with that. Is she the sugar and you're the spice, or is it? Opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Opposite. Okay. Very cool. I love the name, by the way. Thank Absolutely you. love the name. Um, so when when you bought that property, that was all you. Mm -hmm. So So you put it under contract. You found the funding, the financing, mm -hmm. you took it down, and then you just had to go out and find a GC and pay the GC what the GC charges to do their work. Essentially? Essentially. There are a lot, lot of... <laughs> you like how I just simplify everything as if, oh, it's going to be amazing every time. By the way, nothing, nothing ever goes as planned. No, Like, no. absolutely nothing. I just uh, finished up my first spec build. And like an idiot, I, paid, I, I spent cash on the spec build. 
So that tied up a ton of assets for about three months longer than I anticipated. Uh, the good news is we sold it for everything we thought we'd sell it for. Yeah. The bad news is, is the cost over own was 50 grand. Yeah. So we still hit our target profit. Uh, but I learned some valuable lessons. Mm -hmm. And one of those valuable lessons is nothing ever goes the way that you think it's going to go. And B, never use all of your money if you can use other people's money. For sure. Uh, but I was only able to do that because I'm not a GC. So I'm an opportunist mm -hmm. who's not afraid of partnership. And I had a GC that I knew who had the lot, who had the specs and had the plans, but was kind of struggling with the money. Mm. I'm like, well, I got the money. Let's do this together and we'll split profits. Yeah. And sure as heck we did it and, and it totally worked out. So you brought in GCs to your 12 unit and not as easy as it make it sound, but collectively between you and them, you all rehab the entire building, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like dry from, from like drywall out? It was pretty much gutted to the studs, yeah. Wow. Was mm -hmm. it currently being used or had it been vacant for a while? So when I acquired it, it was it was rented out on a to a transient type of uh, demographic. Okay. So they would come in kind of a week to week. Um, you know, they'd pop over then to the next motel. So it was a it was a there was a lot of police calls, um, people not paying rent. The previous owner got hit during COVID and just wanted out. Um, so it, it was a challenging situation. We, we, we got everyone out within less than a week, I think. Um, we posted notices, and then we did some cash for keys. Um, cash for keys, by the way, is an awesome strategy. It's basically when you have a tenant who won't get out. It's super expensive to, to evict someone. Mm -hmm. So we all have a price. We all can be bought. So it's like, hey, homie, how much money to get you to, to get out of here? 100 bucks? 200 bucks? How about 300 bucks? a bottle of whiskey, a case of beer, <laughs> and I'll get a moving truck, right? Yeah, like that yeah. is very much for those that are not familiar with that terminology. That is what cash for keys is. Yeah. I'm now, paying $700 for, per eviction right now. And you also lose about a month of time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So as long as that's less than $1,200, you're all in on cash right, for keys. Right. Um, Let's do this. I know we're going to be running up against the clock here really, really soon, but I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, looking back for people who are getting started, what are a couple pitfalls to look out for or even suggestions? Well, you've already given some good suggestions on where to get started. How about some pitfalls to look out for? So in finding a good realtor, you have to really be able to trust that realtor, verify the underwriting, verify the numbers that they're presenting to you. Because you can look at almost any deal listed on MLS that's a short-term rental, and they're going to look awesome. They're going to look like they make sense. Um, and that information may even be true. Sometimes it's not going to be true. But remember, your, your taxes are going to adjust. Your insurance is going to adjust. So those things off the gate, they're going to they're gonna go up. Um, and then you have to also look at the numbers that are being presented to you. So we went through a peak in the short-term rental market post-COVID. There was so much pent-up demand for travel that it, th those numbers are, we're not going to see again for at least a little while. So make sure you're not looking at just a small snapshot of information because, I mean, my properties outperformed. They, that year was the best numbers ever, like 21. Yes. So if you're just seeing that snapshot of information, you're not getting a comprehensive picture. 
And moving forward, the short-term rental market, you know, with the economy where it is, it, it's getting impacted a little bit. So you have to be conservative and you have to really understand the property and how the property can perform. Thank you so much for sharing that because yes, you cannot go off of past data. You must look forward and project out mm -hmm. based on current market conditions. What should I anticipate this renting for? How much per night or per week? What's my vacancy going to be like? Instead of doing what our Federal Reserve loves to do, they love to drive looking in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. Oh, what happened three months ago, nine months ago? Well, that's not what's happening today. Yeah. So if you're trying to value something based on what it, what, what it was doing nine months ago, you may be able to get yourself into a world of hurt. You thought it was going to cash flow. Well, now it's not cash flowing, which is a cash negative. Um, that's not a terrible thing short term. Long term, it could uh, easily eat away at someone's personal assets. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on this? I have been taught and I teach you make money in real estate when you buy the property. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 You sure. make, think about that. You make money in real estate when you buy it, not when you sell it, right? Because you have to buy it right. Mm -hmm. So to me, if someone's getting started, the most important thing, which is probably why you recommend really sourcing the best realtor, mm -hmm. it's that lead dog. Who found the property? He or she who finds the property, they hold all the power. Like literally having those, those dig leaders or those people in the market with the boots on the ground who who know what's good, know what's not good, mm -hmm. who can kind of maybe see behind the curtains a little bit. Um, the person who helps you find the property to me is the most important. For sure. Awesome. So let's do this, Stacey. One last time. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about you, they want to follow you. I know to follow you on IG. But what are your preferred methods of either being contact, being followed, um, or being uh, connected with? I'm most active on Facebook which everyone's probably cringing here. What a boomer. <laughs> what a boomer. All right. So Facebook? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have IG linked. Um, I'm trying to do more TikTok, but on any of those, Stacy Conti, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for taking the time to drive all the way out to UCF to be a guest on the Lone Officer podcast. I hope this isn't our first and last interaction. I hope it's just our first. I hope I can have you back in nine or 12 months and we can start doing a series with Stacy and we can do some updates and we can follow your projects and you should come out to them. I would love to come yeah. out to a pro. Oh my gosh. What a great idea. Yeah. We could actually like record one on location. Yeah. That would be super cool. All right. I'll take you up on that, okay. but I can see John Coleman in the background. He's flashing. <laughs> he's flashing at me. We are done with our time. Uh, she is Stacey Conti. I am Dustin Owen. You have just tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you today, but we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace.